This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Myers bumps Raymond again. Hockenson up front, they score! Patrick Kane with the puck in the right corner finds Daniel Sprong. Back to back for the Capitals, too, who are about to get underway facing the Bruins, but the Red Wings get it back to the line. They score! Jake Wallman for the point on a long shot with traffic in front. And Detroit has tied the game at three. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. So here is Jake Wallman, his first career penalty shot, and he can win it for the Red Wings, skating from left to right. He comes in on to Smith. Left circle, slowly shoots, scores! Jake Wallman walks it off for the Red Wings in overtime. They come from behind after trailing 3-1 through 40 minutes and beat the Canucks 4-3. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose 4-3 in overtime against the Detroit Red Wings, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar, and as always, get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. Jake Wallman scoring the overtime winner, then does a gritty as well as a celebration uh, to uh, send this one home for the Red Wings and before we bring Brett Festerling into the conversation uh, a bit of everything from the Canucks in this game you know I didn't love their start Uh, they end up giving up the first goal Uh, Raymond beats Myers the Canucks kind of wrestle back into the game a little bit but not a great first period fantastic second take a 3-1 lead and then you get into the third period and one too many sloppy plays cost them Kind of got a rainbow performance a little bit of everything the the, the full spectrum here uh, as we ran the gamut uh that was a lot, man. That was a lot. An entertaining game, I will say too. But yeah, it's like the the Canucks felt like they had to work so hard for some of their opportunities, and then were willing to give the Red Wings just some great A opportunities yeah. through some some poor decision making. And you can correct that, but you know when, when it happens, you know with enough frequency, it's a worrying trend that. Right now, it's they, they were so clean through January, and the, these last couple of games, just are, are you trying something new? Are you just going out of your way? But we'll we'll get into some of the plays. But even like the Pedersen chase behind the net there at the end, it's yeah, bad angle, yeah, and it probably like could that. have been a penalty. He grabs hold of Raymond. Yeah. They don't call it, and then obviously call the cross check on Quinn Hughes. Which like was I have no a problem check. like chasing after a Raymond. But you waited to like this late angle, and it was just weird. Yeah, it was. You waited too late, and by the time you went after him behind the net, you were kind of committed, and, and he's lucky not to get the penalty call. But I mean, Hughes creeps up, like you you let the guy behind you. But maybe you want the official to call that, so yeah, <laughs> you don't go the other Seriously. way. Seriously, you know, sometimes careful what you ask for uh, when it, when the referee lets a play slide. But let's bring in Brett Festerling into the conversation, and and you guys were mentioning it, you and Batch, Brett, that just a bit too sloppy by the Canucks today, and it seems like it's another game where they cost themselves yet again yeah just details right it's it's either big or small there's just certain details of the game that they seem to miss in important times really even if you want to go to like a rasmus rasmussen tie-up goal the hoaglander is kind of there he doesn't pick up his man or box out right they're not huge things they're in the right spots but it's it's a foot here or there on the wrong side stick on the ice 
finishing a check, little things that are costing them big right now. Yeah, well, we'll get into all the ones, but I did want to talk on uh, touch on that one because actually, you know, n- not only Hoaglander there on that play, but Pedersen in the offensive zone because a, a couple of games ago it was mentioned, you know, Rick Tockett saying, hey, like he's got to s- skate. And you look at that play, he, he's got the puck, either move the puck or move your feet, mm-hmm. and you invite Cop to come on to you, and suddenly Rasmussen's there and there's two guys. You're not really doing either. Like, of course you're going to be engaged in a physical opportunity there. The turnover happens, and, and yeah, like the, there's still a, a lot of work for Detroit to do, but that whole play is preventable if you just make a decision or move your feet. Yeah, exactly, and that's – such a key to every single game is the more work you can put in early away from the puck Mm -hmm. or in the offensive zone, it saves you so many opportunities against and so much energy in your D zone. And when you don't do those details and you don't have the discipline to that, which they have had up to this point, I would say for the most part, then it just ends up costing you down the road. Exactly like we're talking about. Yeah. And I think that's a frustrating part about, about it. um, Because the, it's one of those games where you have a 3-1 lead, and the Canucks have been so good at salting games away when they have a lead heading into the third period. And now we've seen it happen a couple times. Now, I mean, they, they, they still have – they don't have a single regulation loss when it comes to taking a lead into the third period. They have mm-hmm. two losses. Both uh, have been on the road, and they've both been overtime losses. One was against Columbus, and this one obviously here against the Detroit Red Wings. Is there any concern about any slippage in that, in that way, or is that just one of those things that do happen over the course of a long season still? I mean, it. I think both. Like, it does happen. Don't get too concerned about it, but at the same time, acknowledge it. Know that there is, you know, some slippage, and I think it's attention to detail and maybe just that consistency in, I don't know if it's effort or maybe they're just a little rust from this break or the momentum maybe coming out of it. But, um, yeah, I don't think they're putting 60-minute efforts together. And just some of those details in the middle, some of those staples that we talk about just haven't been there. Uh, on the uh, the the sprong goal, uh, Myers and Ronick are, are behind the net or behind the goal line on those plays. And I, I don't necessarily mind them, you know, putting pressure on them. When you see what happens in front of the net, is, is it Lindholm or Joshua who should be rotating faster into sprong? Probably Lindholm because... When it goes over to Kane, mm-hmm. his options are front of the net or the point. So then Dakota Joshua would probably flex out more towards that point for that one-timer. I don't know if it's a righty or lefty. If it's a righty, it's definitely a one-timer opportunity. So Joshua is probably flexing that, and then Suter's coming down. Either way, when you see both D-man attack down low, meaning usually that Detroit's backs are facing them, they don't have full control and the, and the puck's on the wall, that's when both those forwards just need to collapse. Get in between those hash marks, cut off anything from the net, and make that go out to points. What about the penalty call, the five-minute major on Nikita Zadorov? It was a big <laughs> swing moment. And, hey, the Canucks yeah. killed off the, the nearly seven minutes of consecutive penalties, uh, which was also uh, compounded by Philip Hronik taking a high-sticking call late in that five-minute advantage for the Detroit Red Wings. But what did you make of that call? Zadorov gets tossed from the game, five-minute five minute major for a head contact with Lucas Raymond. What did you see on that play? Was it the right call in your estimation? so tough now I, I, he gave him a match i we were talking about it off air and and batch read the kind of actual ruling there in the book i don't think he targeted i don't think he meant to hit his head at all i think he just mistimed it and was early and then that allowed raymond to kind of slip it 
get vertical and try to slip it and that just left only his head there there is a little bit of a reach which is completely natural i think you see that in every hit by zadorov to try to get some body but i think i think the league's just gonna everything to the head they're just gonna try to penalize and take out of the game right like that's the way the game's going whether you agree with how soft or good the call was i think you gotta call that consistently right now it's it's a major and they're trying to get rid of it so i i think it's a little soft raymond had the delayed down but the biggest thing is just to protect the health of the players i believe and and on the five minute major um as they kill off the penalty noel Juleson makes a fantastic play on the backhand picking off a uh patrick kane pass and we were discussing in the second intermission or first intermission just you know the the, the right-handed d-man usage right now because myers and Juleson feel like they're playing more than heronic on the pk i'll bring up the numbers of what they did tonight if you were just trying to stack that right now who are you putting out there uh, as your right-handed PK demon? I mean, I, I really like Myers just because of the length. He it, when he's playing on and he and he's using that stick, it just pushes everything so far out and allows to keep everything. You know, just he he can cover so much ice. Juleson's been great though. That that read was phenomenal, mm-hmm. and he and he's become a really big part of that penalty kill. He's he works really hard. He's really physical. You see him taking those lanes away. So, I mean, right now I I really, really like where the Canucks penalty kill is. They've had some – they've inserted guys that have really took a lot of pride in it, and they've become instrumental parts of it that I don't think we would have saw maybe at the beginning of the year, guys like Juleson, guys like Dakota Joshua – those type of players yeah and and i think you know you look at the way uh, dakota joshua i thought the bluegrid line had another strong game today would would carner garland created some chances I, th- I thought dakota joshua really good on the pk as well and and it is a bit too bad because i think on the special team team side of it they give up a pk goal late there but i thought overall the pk did a lot of good stuff especially having to kill off nearly seven minutes of consecutive penalties as we mentioned but in terms of what we saw from the Lindholm, JT Miller, Brock Besser trio, they had some moments, but that's the one line I was kind of hoping to see more of today. Yeah, I agree with you. I was I was hoping to see some flashes and, and some, I don't know if chemistry is the right word, but kind of those magic moments or, or something happens that's extraordinary, and it, it just didn't really have it tonight. It didn't seem they had some okay shots and generated some, some kind of opportunities in tight Miller and, and Lindholm, especially in front of the net, but it wasn't special. I don't think is is the the line juggling with that with Lindholm in particular maybe a shorter leash because there's no runway. It's, it's not as if you tried this in training camp and you had five games to do it, where you maybe have to be mm-hmm. a bit more reactive with him just to see okay where does it work and you want to get it sorted out right away. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's. Now you have an advantage by making that big move and having Lindholm an extra month than people are going to do at the deadline to me. So you, you have this opportunity to not only experiment, but experiment on the road too, I think actually makes kind of a difference because you get to just try these things without the magnifying glass on on you in the city in a homestand too. So just like being able to experiment, see they obviously really like him as a centerman. It gives you more puck possession time, or it should give you more puck possession time through the lineup by having stronger centers and just winning more of those draws. I think they really want to try to take advantage of that. I don't think they've done a great job in in getting pucks back compared to some of the top teams in the league for that. 
So I, I think they just really want him as a, as a center, and right now is a good time to experiment, and then once you find something, build that momentum up into to March and April. What did you think of the Hoaglander, Pedersen, and Pugh Suter line? Now, they they were good in terms of scoring points. Obviously, you know, the third period, Hoaglander gets called for a penalty. There's a sequence where Pedersen loses the puck in the offensive zone, which leads to them going back the other way. And overtime, we also talked about. What, what, what did you think in totality, though, of that trio of Pedersen with Hoaglander and Pugh Suter today? I think as a whole, I recognize them more in a positive way than a negative way. Mm-hmm. There was some, yeah, like you're right, Petey had a turnover. The whole Glenner penalty, I think, is garbage. I thought that was a terrible call. Yeah, I agree. He, he, like Kane tries to jump around him. It's not like Hoaglander's reaching in or His feet are to together. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, on the wall. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I think that that doesn't go into it. Hoaglander does need to recognize that he's the centerman in that tie-up goal. Because he's he's off to the side, he's not helping at all, and that just that ends up being in the back of the net where you could have either boxed him out or at least picked up a stick. But as a, as a as a whole, I liked it, and I liked Hoglander's play. He's he would be exhausting to play against as a, as a D man. He's he's back and he's fourth, and then he's getting touches. He's like he's hitting the D man in between him turning with the puck. It's a it'd be exhausting. So I liked it tonight. I, it'll be interesting to see if they roll with these same lines tomorrow and then just if any of this momentum builds for any of those lines. I, I wanted to ask you about that, that Hoaglander play behind the net on Rasmussen because he's like – Rasmussen is, is there well in advance of Hoaglander, so he's not exactly mm-hmm. like in a position to win that battle on the board. But the way they come off the wall – um, Rasmussen's like got the inside leverage and he's clearly yeah. pulling away. And as you mentioned there, like Hoaglander's not really working hard enough to get in front of him or get reattached. But but when they when they attach on the wall, should he like be on top of him? Should he try to take the inside uh, shoulder? Is, is there is there a way to play that if you're Hoaglander? I mean, the rule of thumb, I I don't remember it exactly. The rule of thumb is just going to be keep the guy between you and the net, or mm-hmm. keep yourself bet- you know in front of the net and him. And then if he does get on the wrong side or you get on the wrong side, which will happen, just get a stick. You may not be able to battle. There's, It's the NHL. These guys are so strong, especially the forwards that naturally go to the net. They know how to position themselves. They're almost like judo guys where they just know weights. And like Sadin, yeah. as soon as you lean on one side, they'll switch you to the other side and score on the other side. So the biggest thing is just get a stick. Get a, tie a stick up. That ends up being a tip in the net. I don't know if it was Hoaglander's guy or not, but it's – just get something. You can't be on the side and not recognizing that you're not the centerman. Uh, before we let you go, uh, I did want to ask you a little bit on on a high note, at least the way I view it, is the play of Noah Juleson. He made a number of really good plays on the PK. He looked more confident how he handles the puck. Can you walk us through the level of work it takes and how how hard it is for a guy like him to go from being a journeyman player, being on the outside looking in, got challenged at one point this season, looked like he was in the outside, and not only has he found his way back into the lineup with Susie getting injured, he's seemingly excelling. What are you seeing in his game? Yeah, he he showed some patience tonight on some of the plays or holding the puck, skating backwards, that, yeah, he looked like a mainstay NHL player, which... At the beginning of the year, and what a roller coaster too. He went from is this going to be Quinn Hughes' partner right. to getting was he down at the beginning of the year? After that, did he go down for a few games? Uh, Noah Juleson, not this I don't season. think he's gone. No, down he's been now. up the whole okay, time. Okay, well yeah. he was healthy, right? He yeah. was yeah. healthy for a period there when they were doing really well. So it wasn't looking like he was going to get back in the lineup. And then obviously Susie had some injuries and stuff. But for him, 
I think the biggest part for me playing the game is how much work it takes off the ice, meaning he's in early doing workouts. He's staying on the ice longer to either work with goalies before or after, plus probably working with foot on foot speed and penalty kill and then doing video on top of that. Everybody does that, but putting in the extra time, the hours on each end, plus just mentally battling that that depth role. I mean, you don't really know. You, you can't control when Susie comes back, and Susie's a good player. So it's as well as you do sometimes, like you saw kind of around Christmas there when Taka was saying, Juleson doesn't deserve to come out of the lineup or he deserves to be back in the lineup, but he couldn't get it. So that's very mentally tough to just stick through that believe in yourself in terms of the work you're putting in and the homework you're doing on video and the help you're doing with the goalies that all that's going to pay off so to see him not only getting more ice time being successful in terms of the plays he's making and and looking more comfortable it's just it's really nice to see that that works paying off and he's and he's more confident yeah it's great to see from him unfortunately for the Canucks today had a 3-1 lead heading into the third and coughed it up to lose 4-3 in overtime but Brett great stuff calling the game and we look forward to chatting with you tomorrow when the Canucks continue their road trip back to back 10 30 a.m pacific start time in Washington against the Capitals Thank you. Talk soon. You got it. That is Brett Festerling calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor. And as always, keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And uh, there was a bit of everything in the text inbox, some frustration, of course, as well. As far as the officiating goes, I didn't love some of the calls. I mean, the one that I hated was the... um, Hoaglander yeah. one to me that's one like that's not a call I can understand the five minute major it's head contact the guy looks like he's injured I can see why that was given a five minute major um, and there's some calls in this game I thought were fair they missed some calls as well in the game was officiating the reason though the Canucks lost this one no no they they, they made their own mistakes they they made their own bet in, in in the the ultimate result of this game uh, again, there were moments where the, the refs didn't do a good job. We've got one texter complaining about it all evening. I'll read this text uh, or all day here. I'll uh, read this text that just came in. Not going to blame the official for the loss, but as a ref, these inexperienced guys are going to have to are going to have some major controversy. Follow them around if they can't get the fundamentals right by the playoffs. I wish the hockey world really realized how silly it is to bypass CHL refs with a decade of experience while fast-tracking a bunch of ECHL alumni to the NHL. You shouldn't be learning on the job at the NHL level. And and, and there were issues throughout the, this evening, but the refs didn't turn the puck over. The refs don't seal off of the wall. The refs... Well, I mean, listen, I thought the Hoaglander had a very strong game, his forechecking and everything. The penalty call, I thought, was a weak call. However, the game-tying goal, it's him and Quinn Hughes in front of the net. Mm -hmm. He's kind of standing in no man's land. Rasmussen's all alone. Now, would would it have made a difference if he's on his man? Maybe still doesn't win the positioning and Rasmussen still scores. But I thought on that play, you can point at it and say, okay, you're not in the right spot. 
Myers mm-hmm. gets walked by Raymond on the first goal that happens. Yeah, like had a couple turnovers. Not on bad. the refs forty five seconds into the game. Yeah, so I mean they had some of those opportunities. So I don't want to blame the officiating for the loss because I do think the Canucks did not help themselves enough and. Some of those mistakes. And as, as far as that Quinn Hughes cross-check, if that was the other way around, I think we all be saying that should have been a penalty. Now, the one thing I will say, when it comes to a penalty shot or a penalty, I, I said this to you the other day when we thought there was going to be a penalty yeah. shot on something, then they called the penalty. And Joshua. I said, I said it's worse than goaltender interference. I have no idea whether somebody's going to call a penalty shot or a penalty. I'm fine with Hughes getting called for an infraction, but he does get the shot off, which sometimes will let the official know that they don't give the penalty shot because you got a scoring opportunity still so to give the power play afterwards but I've I've kind of stopped guessing whether officials are going to call penalty shots or penalties but I, I thought it was fair for it to be for it to be some sort of call on Quinn Hughes a guy's going in alone you give him a cross check in the back it throws you off balance I mean he's interfering with the play yeah he's, he's preventing a scoring chance yeah. and it's couldn't be more obvious that it was there and so uh Walman's there um he converts his chance, and he gets to hit the gritty. And it just seems like, uh, well, as far as hitting the gritty, this text unsigned said, I said, Wallman could only score if he hit the gritty, and after, he did, and did not disappoint. That was awesome. Well-earned point for the boys, but got to make some better decisions in overtime. And somebody who just texted in uh, mentioning something we mentioned right off the bat, and that is 40 should not, it was stupid to chase the net in three-on-three, three, put yourself totally yeah. out of the play, results in a penalty, missed the game. I uh, just caught the short OT. I uh, wish I missed that too. But yeah, on that play, we mentioned that I thought Pedersen had an overall strong game. In overtime there, though, it's just the wrong decision to make. Puts you on your back heel. I, I don't mind chasing after him. Like the, the, He, he kind of like played possum and then bursted to go after Raymond. But you did it too late. And it makes that turn around the net so difficult and gave Raymond the edge to to get there. And, and maybe is there a bit of a hold by Pedersen to, to slow him down as they get to the wall? She probably couldn't have been a penalty yeah. there. But it's you know, we, we we keep hearing this phrase from Rick Tockett of like trying to hit the home run. Yeah. Whereas if you just hit singles, it's 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 so profit. It's like they're they're getting a little antsy at times yeah, right it, now. And so like if, if you just track Raymond by skating in front of the net, you're you're still doing fine. You you're not gonna win the game if you chase him behind the net. There, mm-hmm. you're putting yourself in a bad spot. Yeah, it's, it's the element of surprise is there, and maybe you you pounce on a chance, but. It's 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 too high risk, high reward. It's for almost me. all or nothing. Yeah, you know, because if you miss, then it's going the other way, and now it's a three on two, you know, or an odd but man you break. Have, okay, when we talked to Rick Tockett at Dice Nice, um, you know, he's mentioned the phrase of, um, like, yeah, we want to, we want you to make a play, but don't make a play so somebody else has to make a play. Yeah. So okay, you're trying to jump the the spot there, but you haven't won the puck. You're not even in front of Raymond. You're still behind him. Yeah. So. And- so you're, you're being energetic, but now you have to do so much more work still to win the play. And I would I agree with that. I would also say, though, we know how we talk about the coach also mentions don't make the second mistake. So yeah. he makes a mistake. And then Hughes, he yeah. should recognize the danger. Don't let the guy get behind you. And it's Jake Wallman getting behind you. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a couple mistakes. It's like one guy makes a mistake. You can't. The second guy can make a mistake, too. And that's how uh, he got the clean break. And Hughes ends up taking the penalty, which leads to a penalty shot. Uh, final word before we go to break. And we'll get to more of your text, 650. 650. You can grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. Austin and Langley. Canucks morning games are just bad. Makes a loss ruin too much of my day. When they play at night, I just go to bed. Well, we'll try to uplift your spirits a little bit and have some fun here on the post game show. We'll get to more reaction. We'll hear from Canucks head coach Rick Tockett as the Canucks Central post game show rolls on. Presented by the number five orange. 
a Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. More next on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. So here is Jake Wallman, his first career penalty shot, and he can win it for the Red Wings, skating from left to right. He comes in on to Smith, left circle, slowly shoots, scores! Jake Wallman walks it off for the Red Wings in overtime. They come from behind after trailing 3-1 to one through 40 minutes and beat the Canucks 4-3. to three. Nice get a point on the road in a matinee game. Probably not their best effort, but better than the day. Now they want to build, get a better effort tomorrow. They still need to focus on those starts. They need better starts. And I think that'll carry through to a more of a 60-minute game. Canucks lose 4-3 in overtime against... The Red Wings on the road in Detroit, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into a Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650, and uh, you can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. And uh, we are going to get to the phone boards in a moment, and we'll get to more post-game analysis, and we'll hear from the head coach. But Bick, the text inbox is jumping 650 650 lots of frustration uh, at the Canucks at the officials at the early game start and uh, despite the fact he had a three-point game three points coming five on five and he had the last one nine or ten games he didn't score five on five there's a lot of criticism on Elias Pettersson still believe it or not now I don't want to sit here and focus the entire postgame show on people ripping Elias Pettersson but for those sometimes saying you guys focus on the few texts you get it's not a few texts. It's it's a lot. So even the fact and we read the clean ones. Yeah, there there are a lot of stuff that a lot of nasty things get said, and I get it. People get frustrated, and there's a lot of like you know yeah. uh, emotional texting during and after a game. So sometimes you take it with a grain of salt. But there is a lot of criticism still around Elias Patterson, and it seems like until this he, he either signs a contract or has playoff success, there's some people that are just not going to be convinced by him. 650, 650, a little rattling of some Patterson text here. Patterson, not a $13 million superstar, unsigned text. Uh, this one, uh, like I said before, he's too weak and fragile to make a difference in the play- in the playoffs. Trade him for Crosby. Pens get a player for 10 years, and we get one that's legit now in the Hughes-Demco window. Uh, 650, 650, and also this one. Aside from PD's three points, is it just me or is Pedersen falling a lot or really easily knocked off the puck? Is he working on improving that area? Not to mention him yawning on the bench. Also, that take charge and really take over a shift is missing right now from their game. Is it indicative of a long season and ebbs and flows or something else? Maybe this is a little bit of adversity they need to knock down their ego a bit. I like the toughness and chippiness show from Joshua and Cole today. Let's sign Kessel. A lot in there on a text from Brendan from Burnaby. Yeah, I I mean, listen, uh, fair enough in terms of, you know, 
uh, how the Canucks played this game and, and maybe some adversity is not the worst thing in the world and, and anything like that. Uh, and somebody else has been texting in and saying, I can't believe you guys are saying Pedersen had a strong game. Uh, look at what happened in overtime uh, and look what happened there. You don't get uh, to overtime if you don't get Pedersen's three points. Listen, I'm just reading what people are saying. If yeah. Matthews, McDavid, McKinnon, or any other 12 to $13 million forward had a game like that that would be held accountable postgame, the message wouldn't be they had a strong game. Please stop focusing on just Pedersen's points. So, I mean, even when he has a strong game and it has a couple of bad moments when we pull out and people are like, no, you guys are still giving him too much credit. So it's like, it is what it is. He, it is what it is. he did everything. Today. Just like we talked about earlier, that the, the Canucks provided a little bit of everything, right? A bad start, come back, kill off a seven-minute power play stretch, including the major. They're down to five D-men because of the match penalty for Zadorov. Pedersen gets three points. Pedersen you know, turns the puck over the leads to the game-time goal. He partly responsible for the game-winning goal for how he played that Raymond play. And, and we had somebody text in, like, that's not the problem on that play. It's Hughes getting behind it. Look, of course it is. But to say that Raymond got away from him, it's, well, he doesn't – or he, he – to say that Raymond didn't get away from him, it's, well, he didn't get away because he's being held. And yes. by the way, it's not as Pedersen held him, and it's not as if he then won the board battle. Raymond wins the board battle. He's the one that springs that pass all the way up the ice. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to look at uh, them 5-on-5 five five today, the Canucks' best line at 5-on-5 five five was the Pedersen mm-hmm. line. They scored a bunch. They were playing most of their time in the offensive zone. So I'd say overall, that line had a strong game. Like I, I don't know how else to kind of break it down. They had a strong game. A few bad moments from Pedersen, of course, as we mentioned. But, I mean, when, when you play overall fairly well as a line... You have some success. I don't just don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, listen, you're entitled to your opinions. Mm-hmm. More, you know, you guys say whatever you want. Text then six fifty six fifty. Can I just read this last one? Uh, yes. Because look, sometimes it, people ask legit questions. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How many primary assists does Elias Pettersson have? He spends too much time on his ass as he does on his feet, looking to draw penalties. So on the season at five on five, Elias Pettersson is fourth in the league for primary assists. I. Take that however you want, but at 5-on-5, five five, he's fourth in the league in primary assists. Um, not an overwhelming amount. Uh, sitting at 14, I believe. Just let me bring that back up again here. Um, he's got 14 primary assists on the season. Barzell leads the league at 19. It's pretty good. I mean, and people keep saying, don't show me the points. So it's like, you can't cite the points. You can't I, I, cite I, the, I, the good I, I'm, I'm not trying to throw narratives. I'm just, I'm I'm, just I'm saying. Just, I'm somebody saying. asked a question, and I'm just answering the question with facts. Sat's getting all agitated here. I'm just, I mean, this, this text says it's obvious. Sat's getting sagitated. Okay, this says okay, <laughs> sagitated. Yeah, this one's that's a, not even a thing. This what one's giving a comp. Says Sat, you're the best, but it's obvious by all the. I don't. I want to give the positive because it's going to rip me after. So, sure. so it's not. So I'm not going to. You know, say Sat, you're the best, but it's obvious by all the negative feedback on PBPD that there's something there. You're the only one fighting it. I'm the only one fighting it. We're all fans. If we thought Pedersen was a difference maker, we love him. We want the team to win. The fact that he's not worth what he's asking for, that's the fact. The team is winning. They didn't win today. They have 74 points on the campaign. This is the best Canucks season since 2012. It's been 12 years since the Canucks had a season like this. Like, are they not winning? Are they not having success? I'd, I'd buy some of this, like, you know, haterade and the criticism if the team was struggling, mm-hmm. right? If they're having some issues. And that's not to say he's having this perfect season. There are parts of his game he can improve. Nobody's no, perfect. Of yeah. course. You can always have room for some critique. But I just – sometimes I wake up and I'm like, am I living in a twilight zone? Like, are the Canucks first in the league or 32nd in the league? Because it feels like sometimes the reaction – 
It's like, well, we want the team to win. Are you not winning? I, I heard you yesterday on Canuck Central saying it's as if you're you're in the relationship trying to predict the breakup. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm I'm going to do things that break up with you before you break up with me. Yeah, you weren't good enough to begin with. Yeah. and You it, weren't and, right for me anyways. And, it, it's, and even before you get to that stage, you, you almost play it as if like, hey, are you happy in the relationship? Is everything okay? Is everything – and the, there's no seed of doubt created until you plant the seed of doubt, and then that person breaks up with you. It's like, oh, I knew all along. Like, they just didn't want to be with me. Right. What? what? It, everything was going. Your, your own self-doubt got you. And there's that element to me in a big way that we've seen the past month here that it's, it's, it's going out of your way to toxic behavior, I think, said. It's, 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 it's self-sabotage. Yeah, I mean, it's, you showed me a tweet about something. Uh, you should bring it up again. It's like, yeah. it, it was about, uh, so Jude Bellingham is one of the best young football players. He plays for Real Madrid. Yeah. He had a scorching start to the season, scored like his, you know. In, in his first 20 games, he scored 17 goals and six assists. In the last eight games, he's got one goal and two assists. Right. And someone, no one's talking about this. What happened to him? And uh, it's a phrase now I'm going to use. Says, I, you guys don't actually enjoy the sport you spend all day talking about, I'm convinced. And it's like. Elias Pettersson, it's not as if he's got, like, 13 points on the year and, and the Canucks are carrying him through this entire stretch. And, look, aesthetics, like we've mentioned, like, yeah, okay, there are there are moments when, yeah, he, he turns the puck over and he falls over. I We we all see that. But he's sitting here with 60, uh, 68 points now in the season. He's tied for the team lead. He's tied for sixth in league scoring. It's It's a spectacular season. And it's this self-sabotage a little bit here of call it jealousy about someone making money who, who's about to get paid well i mean it's like saying he's not worth 13 million i mean we'll see what he gets paid ultimately like i don't know if it's going to be 13 million like we don't know what the number is going to be ultimately what he signs for it's like what if he gets 15 what if he gets 14 like can't sign him to that it's like, well let's see how it all kind of falls together this one says um there are thousands of us that listen and love PD and our Nucks. We just don't text. The anger and hatred comes from Leaf Brew and Hawks fans that want to anger the Canucks and knock the boys. I, that's not true. Like, I will say, like, so there are a lot of Canucks fans. I recognize numbers. People sign their text, and they're listening every single game. Like, they're yeah. like, the people texting are diehard Canucks fans. Yeah. Like, it's not like, you know, when the riot happened, oh, they were saboteurs and anarchists. It's like, no, nah, they were fans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then it, then it's shipping a bunch of anarchists to riot in the streets. It's like, it's, it's fans. It's like, you know, it's not. It's 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 uh, a lot of actual fans uh, coming in. But stuff Corey just, and Courtney, uh, right. Petey was a championship-winning playoff MVP in the SHL as a, as a teenager. Like, we've seen him step up in the clutch. People need to relax uh, about these two games. It, it hasn't been just the two games, Corey, but your point is made that he won MVP in the SHL. Yeah, the golden no. boy. Yeah, and this one says, Sat brother, I agree with your argument, but PD is not a difference maker. His play is great when things are going his way. The sooner he needs to work for his keep, uh, the so as soon as he needs to work for his keep, he crumbles. I, that's a narrative. It's not supported by fact. You know, it's narrative. Somebody texts us like, "Can Petey never scores against good teams? He hasn't had multi-point games against good teams." It's like you bring up the stats. Like, oh, he actually did. It's it's that's narrative, not fact. It's okay to have an opinion, but it's narrative, not fact. All right, uh, let's take a phone call here before we get the head coach Rick talk at six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. Let's go to West Van, where we have Ray on the line. Ray, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us today? Well, two things. Uh, number one, well, I go to all the home games. Nice. I, I have for years. I missed maybe a couple of a year not getting there, but and uh, I'm a, f a good fan of the Canucks. Now today, I thought you guys missed it. 
Hughes had had two bad plays today that both were goals. And he he should have tied up Rasmussen's stick on the three-three tying goal, and he stood beside him and watched him, and and that was bad on his part. And then in the overtime, he's out of position and can't get back, and then he takes that penalty. Well, that's marginal, but he could have done better on that, and his positioning was poor. Then the other part uh, that I'm not very pleased about is I think Tockett has screwed up the the forwards by shuffling around his front two lines. He took away the lotto line that was scoring goals like crazy, and then we were winning lots of games with them. They got the good centerman to be able to make a centerman on the second line, and what does he do? He messes up the both lines by putting the new sentiment in and not having his lotto line going. And I think Tocket has made a, uh, a big mistake on that. Uh, hey, Ray, thanks for the phone call. As far as reuniting the lotto line, I would say the last game against Boston when the Canucks were kind of dwindling, they didn't really go to it today. They didn't really go to it. Now they had a 3-1 lead, of course, and then you know that all kind of unraveled in the third period. I don't think it's unfair to ask if Tockett at times in games can be a bit more flexible with changing things up here and there. To be fair, the Canucks have been on the front foot so much this season where they haven't been chasing a lot of games, so they haven't had to resort to that. Uh, no team has had the lead by, by more minutes in the National Hockey League this season than the Vancouver Canucks, so that obviously plays a big part into how the season has kind of gone game script-wise. I don't think it's unfair, though, to wonder... Should you situationally load up a bit more, considering what we've seen that trio, the lot of line, do when they are together? Yeah, and, and the thing is, like they had struggled by by not scoring uh, by the tail end of that run. Like when they first went together, they blitzed some opponents, absolutely no doubt, Ray. But by the tail end of that, uh, you know, eleven game sample, I think they had, they they weren't scoring five on five, and, mm-hmm. and that's when the Pedersen, like they got to start moving your feet, kind of thing started. And so, it, it, and especially considering how ineffective Kuzmenko, Mikheyev, and Suter were, it, it was it was just loading up too much on one line, and, and you had to break them up. And and to me, the, the lotto line to, is not something that's going to translate to the playoffs. Not that they wouldn't have success in the playoffs, but what does it mean for the rest of the lineup? Mm-hmm. That, to me, was the concern. Um, as far as the, the Rasmussen goal, so Hoaglander is the one that's attached to Rasmussen on the wall. And Hughes kind of comes in late there, doesn't really engage in the battle, not that he's expected to. But you can see it as they peel off the wall. Hughes looks to his left, and it's Kopp that's going to the tie slot. And there's there's no chance Hoaglander is going to get there. So Hughes jumps on him, and he's looking right at Kopp. So he jumps on Kopp, and it's on Hoaglander to take the guy he was engaged with. So for me, like that one's not on Hughes, but Ray, you're absolutely right. Like As much as we've talked about Pedersen on the OT goal, an odd decision— you can't let the guy get behind you. It's the reason we haven't talked about it. It's just very obvious that Hughes can't let that guy get behind him and then take the penalty. No, absolutely. Uh, let's take one more, a couple more phone calls here while we're at it. Six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. Let's go to Chilliwack, where we have Isaac on the line. Isaac, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts? Hey, fellas. Um, Long time listener, been listening to the show for five years. Love it. Uh, and this is my first time ever calling in. Rookie lap. You got to bring it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am a seventh D-man uh, locker room DJ. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so, uh, reason why it's my first time ever calling it is because I'm getting pissed off with Canucks fans. You guys got to like realize that 
we've been bad for the last couple of years and why are we why do we think that we can just come on here and bash our team after like it it, it kind of pisses me off listening to the show and all these fans trashing PD like what do you guys want you guys want them to score three goals every game like I don't know I like I just I'm just coming on here defending Sat. I don't really I don't really agree with a lot of the stuff Sat says, but <laughs> I'm here for you, Sat. This is why I'm calling. I'm, I'm I'm on your team right now. Hey, I, I appreciate that, Isaac. Thanks for the phone call. Hey, listen, we don't have to all agree, but uh, thanks for having my back, Isaac. Isaac does agree here, calling in, uh, and. Listen, you guys can have your opinions, and, and Ken Henderson on Twitter was like, you you guys, you beat the hell out of Pedersen for 10 minutes when you start the show. There's a difference between talking about what happened in the game. Yeah. Like, it's literally, it's like, hey, so Pedersen chased on the play. That's what happened. Like, it's... <laughs> he turned the puck over. It's it's, it's okay. It's just, it's, it's describing what happened in the game. Like, you, so part of the game story is telling you what happened, mm-hmm. right? Now, what happened doesn't care about your opinions. Like, it's good or bad, because that's what happened, right? Like, it's just the reality of what happened. And then it's like, yeah, well, people, like, listen, we go with the overwhelming majority of what thoughts are coming in on the text mm-hmm. inbox. And I don't want to make this about the Pedersen game show, but I'm just telling you, like, if you look at our text inbox, it's, what, four to one when it comes to Pedersen texts? Yeah. And out of the Pedersen texts, three to one of them are overly negative, like, very angry and negative. Like, it's just the reality of what the text inbox is saying here on the postgame show. Uh, do you want to do one more phone call? Let's go to Ron in Kamloops. Ron, uh, what are your thoughts tonight? <laughs> Um, I've watched uh, a little bit of the Canucks uh, over the years, right back to the days of Andre Boudreau and Andy Baskate and so on. And uh, I think what I see this year, basically, is um, the stars aren't really stars enough during the regular season. And I know that you've been talking a lot about Pedersen's points and so on. But I think Pedersen can do so much better. He doesn't seem to be hard on the puck. He doesn't seem to hustle. Um, he He's a great skater, but you don't see much of that. You know, he's got good acceleration in skating, but he just doesn't seem, he seems almost like he's not even in the game too much of the time. And I think that's where the criticism is is, is coming in. And the second one is Demko. I think he's pretty good, but I don't think he's as good as as what the impression is out there and what the thought is on Demko. I think if I look back at uh, Luongo and so many games in that uh, in the years of Luongo, the Canucks just didn't have it. But yet Luongo squeezed out games, he squeezed out points, and he won games, and he made a lot of big saves. Now I know. There's not many Luongos out there. But Demko, today would have been a perfect day where Demko could have bailed out the Canucks in the third period, and he didn't. It seemed Hey, Ron, lot. Ron, uh, but Demko didn't play today. Yeah, it was Smith Casey started Smith tonight. who played in goal today. So, you know, I, yeah, thanks for your phone call. It was Casey the Smith that was in goal today, not Thatcher Demko. And, you know, as far as Thatcher Demko goes uh, over the last little bit, I mean, wasn't he on this run of, um, like, it was his first regulation loss? One of his second regulation loss in 16 starts or something along those lines, the last one. Demko? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Casey DeSmith, by the way, again, getting another point, which has been uh, fantastic work for him. His last regulation loss, I think, was uh, the Philly game uh, in December. So uh, Casey DeSmith uh, still getting points. Yeah, he, he is. Uh, he is still picking up a lot of points. Um, and, you know, he mentioned on the Pedersen stuff, yeah, everyone's got opinions, all good. Have your th- have your takes come in. Nobody's, uh, 
<laughs> Nobody's not allowed uh, to have a take here on Elias Pettersson, and a lot of them are coming in on the text inbox. Uh, Evan, however, texted in a bit earlier on the text inbox and mentioned, you're not going to win every single game. Uh, he said here, and I think this is kind of a thing to keep in mind, you're also not going to hold on to every third period lead. The stat isn't sustainable. That is Evan in Edmonton uh, talking about the game. And you are going to lose some games when you have the lead. It is inevitable. You are going to lose some games as the season goes on. I don't think we're at a point where there is a panic level on anything, but the Canucks have kind of gone through a little stretch here where they haven't mm-hmm. played their best hockey. A couple of games here are a bit sloppy. It's things that you know they can clean up, but yes, Evan is right in making the point. You are going to have some games where things just don't go your way. Uh, 650, 6.50 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, this one, I want to see Miller and Petey as a duo and then Lindholm and Besser as the duos. Because right now it's been... You know, Miller and Besser almost exclusively so far this year. Uh, if you're making changes, do you make changes to the duos too? Here's that. Uh, I mean, I don't mind changing mm-hmm. things up a little bit. When you're struggling like this, it's your, and you should mix things up from time yeah. to time, refresh things, try some different things. I'm not against it at this point. My worry all. about the Lindholm-Besser combo is there's no primary guy there, right? Like, that was my concern on the whole Lindholm thing. Like, he's a good player. He's he's a solid, real top six player, okay? I want to be very clear with yeah. that. But is he the secondary guy or is he the tertiary guy? And if you put him with Besser, like that's two secondary guys to me. I I, I don't view Lindholm as like the primary line driver. If you put him with Pedersen, then I think you'll you'll see something. If you put him with Miller, I think you'll see something. It, it one game is not the sample size you're going to take out of tonight. But I, I worry about putting the two primary guys like Miller and Pedersen together and then uh, Lindholm and Besser. It, it, it do you neutralize their effectiveness? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that's part of it too. Um, and you know, somebody mex- texted in earlier, and a lot of people texted in. Canucks still need another, another top six forward. I can understand why you would say that, given uh, the mix here in the top six. A lot of good things, obviously, and I think you got to be careful sometimes talking about how things have gone and be like, hey, they can't win without without another forward. I mean, they've done very well so far this season, but at times you do see the need of having one more forward in that top six, potentially. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll get back to the phone boards as well, 604-280-0650, and we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett next on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Toglat protecting the puck from Petrie down low. Spins away to the right wing corner. Feeds the line for Tyler Myers. D to D to Hironic, left point. Into the high slot. Suter turns the fires wide to the goal. Pedersen off the end board, scores! As Suter missed the net, but it bounced back to Elias Pedersen, and he tucks it past Alex Lyon. He's got his 28th of the season, and it's 3-1 Canucks. And I think Hironic's going to get his third point as well. Hironic actually makes a nice play into Suter in the slot, turns and fires. That's where your missed shot comes from. And Petey just rolls off to the forehand. It comes right back to him. He's able to bang it home. Elias Pettersson scoring five on five. 
had three points on the evening, but the Canucks lose 4-3 in overtime, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satya Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We are going to get to the phone boards again, so hold on to your phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Now, before we get to the phone boards and the text inbox, let's hear from the Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett. It's not going to be super long, so hang on to your lines. We'll get to you coming up in a few minutes but here is Rick Tockett after a 4-3 OT loss in Detroit. I'm not sure where to start with this one coach but I'm sure the effort level was better just a couple lapses of concentration. Yeah I thought we were in control of the game a couple of turnovers um, yeah in our net so we got we got to learn with the pressure it's going to start us even more you got to lock these games down and I thought there was a couple of turnovers when we shouldn't have to have turnovers got to get the puck in deep is that- and, and box out you got to box out too sorry what is that? What what does it take to get that message across and to get to that? Well, point? I mean, it's every day. You know, it's every day. <clears throat> you know, pounded in all of us, coaches, players together. We just keep pounding away. You know, um, we let one, a point slip away. Um, but that, you know, that's a, I hate to use the word learning lesson, but yeah. Is this a situation where you're happy that the game is tomorrow and you can get right back at it? No, I mean, you know, the schedule is what it is, but it's just, you know, we just got to clean up some certain things. You see in the overtime uh, the play that led to the shoot the penalty. I don't know. They got behind uh, Huggy. I don't. I, I didn't, haven't seen it. I just saw the guy get a breakaway. I didn't see it. I, went, I haven't seen it yet. To be honest with you. Had to be happy with the penalty kill in the second in terms of momentum. Yeah, well, the penalty kill was great. I mean, you know, I don't know how many power. You know, There's a lot of power. They got a lot of power plays, so we'd extend a lot of minutes there for certain guys. We had four defense uh, for a big part of the time. That's where we have to make sure you get the puck in deep especially when you, you play with 4D for about 10 minutes and, um, you know, you can't push the envelope. It was, uh, was it, you think that was the most change you've had one game to another this season, you know, with all your four combinations, three of the four lines? And... The, the, you mean the combo, different yeah, combos? Yeah, just in general, the amount of changes that you made. What, what was uh, the reflection of what were you looking pro- for? Well, we just need some more lines driving some play. I did, the, some lines weren't getting nothing, so I just wanted to try it, you know, um, Offensively, well, there's some offensively. I mean, I thought, well, obviously, P's line get up things, but you know, them they're on for a couple goals that I think, you know, so it's a wash. You know, um, I, I don't know. I have to take a look at the tape. I mean, I, I just thought we were in control of a game. We lost it. No. It's the first time in a long time you've lost uh, consecutive games, and, and yeah. normally you get a response. Um, is are you concerned at all that you didn't get? More of a response night, or did, do you? Think I thought we got it. Was good. We're up three to one. We're you know they we get, they had a bunch of power plays. We we're in the game. We made two turnovers. I, I thought we played a pretty good game, other than a couple of guys with turnovers that, and we didn't box out on one of the goals. It's just you can't throw the you know the whole game because of that. No, I disagree. I thought it was a I thought it was a good response. I just think we made about four plays that you shouldn't make when you're up three to one. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. Pretty short and um, eh, somewhat sweet post game. Uh, mentioned that they he felt like they had a response, had a three one lead, it's a couple of turnovers, and it's kind of like we mentioned off the bat here. It wasn't a bad game from the Vancouver Canucks, but a, few, a bit too sloppy. And we mentioned the turnovers in the third period, not boxing out of the front of net on the game tying goal. Mm-hmm. We mentioned that play where Rasmussen's in, in alone. So very similar to what we were describing here. Not a bad game for Vancouver by any stretch of the imagination, but in critical moments, one too many mistakes, which is uncharacteristic of this team so far this season. They opened the door. It, 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 it's not a, even as this 
Detroit knocked the door down or knocked on the door themselves. It's they opened the door and said, hey, "Come on in, welcome." And then suddenly it's three three, and they win in overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff that you can clean up, and you know, he referenced the turnovers on multiple occasions. Yeah, no, uh, he he's right about that, and and that's some of the things that ended up costing them today. He mentioned he was happy with the PK, and they were under a lot of duress, especially in that second period, and they did a fantastic job killing it off. And we mentioned Noah Juleson and how he played. Uh, Dave in Alberta has this thought: this team will never go deep in the playoffs if they don't fix their power play, knock the fan, knock off the fancy passing. 45 seconds set up a shot is ridiculous shoot the puck I, I think it's a gift and the curse because sometimes they've done a really good job of creating sure. good chances and it's like that's one of the reasons why the power play can be good but today I thought what Detroit did a really good job of was keeping everything to the outside so they had to create more shots and angles than they were able to create and for for the short term I'm willing to grant some leniency to the power play because they're integrating a new player into it right so you don't have the 50 game runway of the chemistry and and understanding the rhythm of each other it, it's trying to figure out now Lindholm and th- there were stretches today where Miller was in the bumper right that's not somewhere where you usually see him he's usually on the wall maybe in the right corner net front he's in the bumper in this spot Lindholm's by the front of the net Besser kind of on the flank for one-timer opportunities Petey and Hughes in their usual spots so it's different machinations of the power play so I- I'm willing to grant a little bit of uh, time to to see what works, what doesn't here as Lindholm kind of gets used to being in this spot. But certainly, look when you have six minutes on the power play and you don't uh, convert chances. But like they hit the post on one. Well, it was a bit of a lucky one. It, yeah, it bounced off a JT Miller and hit the crossbar. Like, hey, listen, it was it was yeah. unlucky it didn't go in, but it would have been a very lucky goal if it had gone sure. in. So, and that's maybe their best chance on the man advantage, except for the one where they're banging in and maybe the goal mm-hmm. did the puck did cross the goal line, but on review they couldn't see because um, the puck was under. Uh, Lions skate and Maurice Sider grabbed the skate and pushes yeah. it out. I mean, if, if Seems I was like a you guessing, found a loophole in the uh, glove on puck, thing. If, if if they had a sensor for the puck being completely across yeah. the line, I think that puck may have been across the line, but you couldn't see it, so you couldn't tell. So maybe a bad break there, obviously, on the man advantage. All right, keep your thoughts coming into the text inbox 65650. This one says, No, Mr. Tockett. Uh, PD's game was not a wash, meaning he didn't make a positive impact. Sat says he had a strong game. So. <laughs> All right, let's go to the phone board, 604-280-0650, and let's start things off uh, by going to New West, where we have Sean on the line. Sean, thanks for calling in, buddy. What are your thoughts today? Thanks for taking my call, boys. Uh, First off, you know what, that two-goal lead, obviously it hurts losing a a 3-1 lead going into the third period, but, I mean, you know what, they they got a point out of it, I guess, if you want to take some positives. I mean, you know, they got 74 points. Does anyone know last year on this date where the Canucks were? In the standings, any idea? They were what? 14 points out of a playoff spot. They were sitting at 46 points. Yeah, that's rough. what they were a year ago. Right, that like the season was done. Right now, we're first overall, 74 points. So all these Canuck fans, you know, taking shots at Petey. He had, you know, he had a good game, bounce back game today, and he's going to keep, you know, doing what he does. And I think all these, you know, some of the Canucks fans are, you know, complaining and stuff. What they need to do is just take a chill pill, enjoy the Super Bowl tomorrow, and enjoy watching Vic Nazar's. Bit rival, the San Francisco 49ers, hoist the Lombardi Trophy. That's all I got to say, and have a good night. <laughs> Thanks for the phone call. Uh, shots fired at Bick Nazar's noted Seahawks fan. Yeah. Your we'll Niners. See. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's continue on the phone board. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, and let's go to Maple Ridge where we have Luke on the line. Luke, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts? 
Hey, guys. Uh, I, I don't understand the PD hate, and I'm not even a Canuck fan. Like, I've never been a Canuck fan because I'm not from B.C. But how many how many goals did Canuck score today? Three? Mm-hmm. How many points did PD get? Three. Three. Oh, yes, that's right. You know, And I was just going through, like, the entire league, right? And it, the value of a player is who would you trade them straight up for? So let's go through all the teams. Bear with me. Boston, Pasternak is the only guy they would even question. Florida, only Kachuk and Barkov. Toronto, only Matthews. I mean, if you offered up Petey straight up for Nylander, oh, God, they're they're signing up for that. Uh, Tampa Bay, nobody on that team would be safe from a straight-up trade from Petey. You go to the Metropolitan, you're talking only about Jack Hughes. You can say Sidney Crosby, but if, if they were offered Pedersen, for Crosby, they're doing that any day of the week. You go to the you go to the Central, Colorado, yeah, McCarr, McKinnon, nobody else. Chicago, obviously Bedard, and then once you get out to the Pacific, you're only talking about McDavid and Drysidel. So we're we're talking about a guy who is probably the tenth most valuable player in the league. There's 32 teams. Like, let's be real, guys. Like it. it if we don't want Petey, guess what? There's a hell of a lot of teams that will take him and give you a ransom for it. Like, no questions asked. Petey's not the issue, and there's no issue this year. I mean, this team is playing so well. I just don't get it. I don't get the Petey hate. Uh, hey, I get it. Hey, thanks for the phone call. And makes I, a good point, too, on if you go through the team. Now, he said yeah. he's not a Canucks fan either, so looking at it impartially, and he, he found very few players. I, I, I do want to read this text, too. Someone texted in, and look, your opinions are your opinion, but Patterson is equal to Miller, so explain why the media touts such a high salary when Miller's making $8 million. Miller's more gritty, seems more passionate about this team, not hating on Petey, but I don't think his play is worth twelve to $13 million. The The reason is the age, right? It's, it's just at age 30, are you going to commit $11 million to the back end of someone's career? Like, if that was the, the, the price point, there's no way that deal gets signed for JT Miller. It's that you're you're paying to have a short-term run here of four, maybe five years, and maybe there's some pain on the back end. If JT Miller's making $11 million, that, that contract never gets signed. With Pedersen, the, the risk of over the course of the term of his contract, given his age, is significantly torqued down. That's why the money, you're just going to get more natural value through the entire course of the contract. So if, if you believe Miller is better than Pedersen, your opinion, I get it. But it, it's it's the age is the reason that Pedersen's touted to make a lot more. I mean, of course. I mean, if JT Miller was putting up the same amount of points when he was 25, mm-hmm. the number would be far different on his contract than the one he ended up signing at the age of 30. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Uh, let's continue on the phone boards, uh, and let's go to Maple Ridge again, where Gary, who's been waiting patiently to get on. Gary, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts today? Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for taking my call. Your producer and I don't get along very well, and I'll tell you something. Uh, we, uh, I think we'd have a great discussion about this. I happen to be a Zadorov fan. He is 6'6 six, six and 245. The fellow that he hit is 5'11 and 188. Now, there was no high stick, no cross check, no kneeing. He simply hit him. Now, I know I am 5'9. And if I went up against a guy that was 6'6", he'd hit my head. Now, 
I know it's a hit to the head, but he recovered really well, didn't he? Now, uh, I agree. I don't. I didn't. I disagreed with your your producer about this because, as far as I'm concerned, what is Zadorov Zidor, supposed to do? Stick check him in the third period. Mike uh, Myers hit um, the young the young kid and hit him against the boards. He got he could have been given a boarding penalty, but nothing. So Zadorov. I don't. I don't think he deserved to get anything. Maybe two minutes, but five for that? Are you kidding me? Thanks, guys, for letting me on. Uh, thanks for the phone call. That is Gary Maple Ridge uh, fired up about things as well. Uh, take one more phone call. Let's continue on the phone boards here. Let's go to Edmonton, where we have Evan on the line. Evan, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us today? Hey, boys, first time on the show. Uh, Let's go. Long time listener. Love the show. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Hey, I just wanted to give everyone a little bit of a breather here and settle down. Look what uh, the Canucks have done this year, right? Like the adversity of losing two games like this in a row is going to be good for the team in the long run. Uh, the Canucks have only lost back-to-back games a couple times this year, right? So hockey isn't going to go as planned in the playoffs. And when stuff goes wrong, you need to be able to remember times like these couple games here and bounce back. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I mean, the, the terms of the kind of bouncing back, I think that's the yeah. big question. Like, how do they bounce back? The coach said he felt pretty good about how they responded to mm-hmm. the game today, but just made a few too many mistakes. I mean, they gave up a goal in the first 45 seconds, right? But the goal, it wasn't from a breakdown. I and mean, we had some people, you know, mentioning that, hey, maybe it was a bad line change, but it was a two on two. Raymond just beats mm-hmm. uh, Myers and gets to the net and scores. And next thing you know, it's one nothing. It didn't come from like this sloppy play. They're kind of plays, Jimmy's and Joe's, you know, and, and everything. So I agree with the. The, what the coach mentioned mm-hmm. about how they played just far too many mistakes costing them but you would imagine they're going to have more of a response and should have more of a response tomorrow in Washington I, I guess you could chalk this up to uh, or compare this to the Tampa game because remember they they uh, got outworked against Philly 2 nothing, and they, they lose to Tampa but it was a much better performance, and now they don't get a point in that game, but it was a better performance, and you could see, okay, this is how you stabilize, and this is how you trend back towards successful uh, play, and they end up winning, what was it, seven of their next eight, eight of the next nine. Uh, They're in early October or late October. Uh, So this one, after the game against Boston, where so much went wrong, again, you have a 3-1 lead in this game. You just got to be better and sharper to close it out and get two points. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's take one more phone call here before we hit the break, and let's go to uh, Terrace, where we have... Let's go to Vancouver, where we have Terrace on the line. Terrace, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts? Hey, uh, hey guys. First-time caller as well. Kind of want to echo what the last gentleman said. I thought the Zora hit. It was a bit of an unfortunate play, but you know, when the guy falls down, like he gets shot and then bounces back and plays two shifts later and looks pretty effective. It looked like it was kind of a sell job, you know, had headshots gotta be, you know, we gotta get rid of them in the league, but I just felt like that was a bit of a bad luck, bad call play. And uh second thought, um, yeah, the, the hate PD gets is just ridiculous. When's the last time we've had a player of this stature in our city that can do what he can do and change a game. Um, it it just makes me so frustrated. We have 74 points. We're leading the league. I think people have very short memories. And, um, you know, as a Canucks fan since 92, uh, I'll, I'll take this, uh, I'll take this team any day of the week. Yeah. No kidding. Right. Thanks for the phone call. And appreciate that as Terrence in Vancouver calling in. I mean, it's been quite the season and, you know, I was joking with fast Eddie Gregory between breaks uh, a bit earlier during the game. And it's kind of like this team has gone through a lot of losing 
Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of like existential crises and a lot of issues and problems. And you always kind of waited for the next shoe to drop. It's, it's been very difficult being a Canucks fan ever since 2012, right? We've coined the term PBSD too. Yeah, yeah, post Benning uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, syndrome, right? So it's like it's one of those things. Um, I don't think Eddie's heard that one before. No, he's it's cracking <laughs> up behind the glass. <laughs> so I mean, I, I get it, and and part of it is that, right? Um, I'm just saying it's one of those things where I wonder if part of the the frustration is we just haven't seen a team have success. And it's like your, the frame of yeah. how you watch a game and how you, like, you get upset about certain things and how things kind of shape is based on kind of the, uh, I, I'd, I'd guess it's just what you've been conditioned to go through the past sure. like decade and a bit. Uh, I, I don't have uh, enough time to really get into this because uh, we're about to go to break here. But when, when you haven't experienced this for 12 years, maybe the muscle memory of enjoying being in first place uh, has has lost its luster. But we'll, we'll dig into that more on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll have more on the other side, plus more phone calls and player reaction after 4-3 Canucks loss. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. More coming up next. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Should mention as well that game with Washington tomorrow. The second of a back-to-back for the Canucks, second of a back-to-back for the Capitals, too, are about to get underway facing the Bruins, but the Red Wings get it back to the line. They score! Jake Wallman from the point on a long shot with traffic in front. And Detroit has tied the game at three. Climbing back after trailing by two at the beginning of the third. We're up three to one. We're, you know, they, we get, they had a bunch of power plays. We're in the game. We made two turnovers. I thought we played a pretty good game other than a couple of guys with turnovers. That, and we didn't box out on one of the goals. It's just, we can't throw the, you know, the whole game because of that. No, I disagree. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good response. I just think we made about four plays that you shouldn't make when you're up three to one. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-3 overtime loss in Detroit against the Red Wings. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. And the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network presented by the number 5 Orange. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Uh, before we go to the phone boards and take a couple more phone calls here, uh, people fired up today. I love it. Uh, what are the people saying in the text inbox? Dunbar Lumber 650-650, Bick. Uh, Dixon and Abby. Uh, guys, the one point disappointing, but past teams would have folded completely in that game. That one's coming from Dixon and Abby. Canucks need uh, Tanev and Toffoli right now. Uh, this one's saying the Canucks defense is not cup worthy. Uh, 650-650. And this one, uh, tell me when at any point this game was a real urgency in Vancouver's game. Other than the actual fight that Cole won decisively, they looked as if they they hoped they could mail it in because they are the better team. Uh, thing is, they were are not the better team. PD's three points were fortunate. Uh, and this one, fortunate. how are they fortunate? Uh, I'm just reading the text here. <laughs> fortunate. Uh, this one, uh, guys. What else do you think Brock can do to his game to provide a little something else? He's such a strange player. He either puts up multi-goal performances or he looks invisible out there. So Brock, you know, put up a hat trick here recently. Had two goals in the Pittsburgh game. 
so that is now uh, five goals in 11 games for Brock, which is a fine number. Mm-hmm. But he also had two assists in the St. Louis and Carolina games uh, as well. But overall, like we've kind of had this discussion before. And the, the Lindholm acquisition, I think, maybe takes some pressure even more off Brock. Because I, I was kind of worried about the reality of Brock being your third best forward. But now you're probably the, the fourth. Right. And you just maybe slotted a little bit better. But is there anything more he can do to his game? Like the the speed, I know a lot of people in the preseason were like, oh, Brock looks faster. And we, we never really felt that way. But he's not really there for speed. He's like a really smart, cerebral player, makes some smart plays. But is there something different you're going to see from Brock? I feel like that would might take away from like his goal scoring opportunities if he yeah. starts trying to do something different. No, I'm 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 there with you, and uh, I think when you look at Brock Besser's game, he's always been one of those players where he's a goal scorer. His anticipation and usually work off other guys is pretty positive. Mm-hmm. I think he had a couple of good back checks today. I thought mm-hmm. there was a couple of plays he made defensively. He was pretty good, but that line, that trio as a whole, Lindholm, Besser, and JT. Very much a work in progress. Like I think I turned to a couple times and said, ah, that, "That line's really, really having a hard time. Couldn't really sustain a forecheck the way they wanted to. Had some decent moments, but not really the way you would want to see them play." And I do think, you know, for all the talk about uh, Elias Pettersson the last few games, JT's had a struggles too. He had a struggles against the Boston Bruins. We're waiting for him to really reinvigorate his game as well. Those things I would imagine are going to come. But when you add a new player into the lineup, you're trying to build new chemistry. And as much as Lindholm had a good first game, one of the things we talked about on that post game show is you got to be very careful to be like, oh, they got chemistry right away. Mm-hmm. It's like he, he's literally played, you know, he scored two goals on the power play, tipping them in. Like it yeah. doesn't tell you anything about chemistry and, you know, how things are going. It's going to take some time, a great start. But now it's about how is he going to fit into the roster? Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Let's take one more phone call here. Uh, let's go to Al and Nelson. Al, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts today after a 4-3 overtime loss for the Canucks? Oh, hey, guys. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, I don't know, just, you know, a little, people aren't really giving Detroit the credit they're due. They're, they're a pretty good team. I mean, some of those stats you guys are flashing during the telecast about uh, – coming back in the third and just overall ability to score goals. So, I mean, they're, uh, they're uh, turning into a bit, quite a good team. So, uh, you know, we've got a point, not too bad. Um, I think Lindholm, we're having a hard time trying to find out where this guy fits. You know, I, I know he scored those a couple of nice chips in from a power play there to start, start his first game off, but he seems to be kind of a little bit misplaced right now. But um, I was going to comment mainly on the power play because uh, I don't know what the stats are suggesting about it, but, we need to get back to that that unit being a little more dangerous. And I'm starting to wonder, um, I'm going to put it to you guys actually, like these days, how important is the point shot or how important is, how important is the shot? Like, you know, for me being a little older, you know, having a big cannon from the, from the, from the blue line was always a bit of a threat. You know, either you want to get in front of it and block it and risk that, or, you know, the rest of it getting through. But um, I'm wondering if Ronick should get a look on the top pairing because, he, in my opinion, has got the most terrifying shot right now on the team, and uh, we're not shooting it enough. Even Petey, so like, let, you know, uh, if they want to get in front and risk blocking those shots. Let's make them pay for it. And I'm kind of wondering what you guys think about that. Thanks. Thanks for the phone call. So power plays this year are down from last year, which I think they were at historic highs last year, clicking at twenty-one uh, percent uh, last year, and they're they're up. Or sorry, they're they're down to like twenty point forty-seven this year. So they're they're near the top that they've ever been, but overall teams are trying to take less like blasting point shots because 
just naturally goals are scored less from there. That's just it's further away. Goalies are better than ever. All that. And yeah, they can result in tips and everything like that. But just generally speaking, teams across the league, not just Vancouver, are trying to take less shots from distance. Yeah. And I think usually the, the shots from distance don't lead anything. I would say, however, when you have trouble as a power play, it's maybe not a bad thing to get some shots going a little bit to create some second chance opportunities. And that's one thing I would like to see better, especially against something that was more of a passive PK. Because essentially what Detroit said was, we're taking away the scene pass. That's what we're doing. We're going, we'll give you every, everything else. We're taking away the scene pass. So instead of trying to force open the scene pass, get some shots on goal, try to get them spread out by creating a little bit of havoc. So that's one thing I would like to see in a bit better. It's when that's not there for you, perhaps attack a bit more simplistically for you to be able to maybe get a few things to open up for you. And as far as how they've done recently, so in the past 11 games, they're clicking at 31%, which is phenomenal. Again, short sample size size there of 11 games. But it's it's been better here recently. They went through a tough stretch there in uh, December and early January. But, yeah, today they definitely could have used the power play goal. Yeah, I mean, it could have helped. It would have helped in a massive way today for the Vancouver Canucks. However, they come away with a 4-3 loss. Now, uh, you know, somebody texted in here about Ilya Mikheyev and, saw, and said, hey, I thought he looked pretty good here today. Ice time-wise, Ilya Mikheyev had just under 10 minutes, I think. What was it, his ice time today? Uh, it was 9.29. 9.29. Neil Zolman at 9.56. And then this is the surprising one. Yeah. And someone texted in about it, too. Uh, PDG at 6.49. Lotto line, uh, but 6 minutes and 49 seconds. Yeah. Which is surprising considering he was so energetic in his uh, two and a half minutes in the first period. And now there's a seven-minute gap It's of, of PK time in the second period, obviously. It's his first game back. He's not going to play on the penalty kill. And you kind of get out of a rhythm. So maybe you know once he's so cold, does Rick Taka go back to him? He only played six shifts in the last two periods. He played five shifts in the first period. And just tough to kind of get back into the game. But he, he was, you know, in the first period, super energetic, causing a couple of turnovers. It was, it was a nice return into the lineup for Phil DiGiuseppe. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought so too. Was it one of those situations where he kind of got lost by the coach? He's mentioned this before that yeah. you, the game kind of takes over. You get it's a lot of penalties. The next thing you know, he's sitting on the bench and you so kind of get away from it. He skated his first shift was two minutes into the second period. And then he didn't get back out until 12 minutes. So there's that like long stretch there where you, you're not really playing. And I, I just wonder if he just didn't trust a kind of colder body to go back out there in his first game back. Yeah, and I think that's usually what happens. And the game gets a little bit tighter. Next thing you know, it's three on three. It's three, 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 and kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. But we'll see if they make any other changes here to the lineup when they play tomorrow in Detroit against, I mean, in Washington against the Washington Capitals. And we'll see if Sam Lafferty, who was a healthy scratch today, draws back into the lineup. Um, there's a lot more on the text inbox. This one says, Tyler Myers, need to trade him. Never going to win a cup. Defense is soft. I don't think the defense is soft because I think you saw Cole battle. I mean, I think Myers does generally battle. He can, you know, obviously be very awkward with how he plays. Zadorov was tossed out of this game really early. And I think when that happens, the defense has to be very careful. And even Ian Cole taking a five-minute major uh, for, a fine, for a fighting major, mm-hmm. you know, that all of a sudden has you going for a defenseman. So it puts more strain on you. So you got to be really careful with, you know, pick and choose what you do. But I don't think soft is a problem for the defense. I would say, though, for all the talk about Nikita Zadorov and he gets tossed for a physical hit— that physicality hasn't paid off the way you would have want the past few games from him. And obviously today, I'd say it's bad luck 
the hit on Lucas yeah. Raymond. We can sit here and argue whether it should have been a five-minute major or not. A bunch of callers saying that Raymond sold it and that he, you know, made the most out of it or whatever. And, and fair, if, you, if that's the point that you have. I thought it was a bit of bad luck on that hit, but that's a physicality from him hasn't quite been at the level you would hope the past few games. There needs to be a reward to the physicality. And tonight it was penalized because he's ejected from the game. I, I don't mind him stepping up to, to protect the blue line in that spot, but you know, when you pull out of the check and then your, your body's kind of flailing, you're not really in control of your, your body in that spot. And so you put yourself in a worse position and wind up taking that penalty. Again, I'm just very partial to protecting the head. So I, I'm a bit more uh, stern on those spots. I, I, I totally understand that that's a five-minute major for me. Um, I, I want to see players protected especially headshots. So it, it's a tough reality. I, I don't think there was any intent in it. It's just uh, unfortunate circumstances in that spot. And Zadorov, you know, the the overall contribution, again, like he's not scoring goals because he, he, he can be a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. The, the, best, the, the best you notice him is when he's kind of skating the puck out of the zone. Yeah. But that is, like, is that enough for you to be like, oh, right, this is the reason why we have him here? Well, I mean, I think in terms of him being here for depth and being part of the group, I think it's a positive thing. That's where my hesitation comes in in terms of committing to him long term. Yeah. I'm just not I, sure I he's a guy you want to do that the, with. The biggest compliment I can give is like they were playing Friedman and Juleson. And they just needed more bodies. Mm-hmm. And the biggest service he did was that stretch there in, in December – he he helps stabilize things. And now when Carson Soucy comes back, it'll be interesting to see who's the odd man out. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be fascinating to see what they do with the lineup tomorrow in Washington. And as far as the game today goes, let's bring in our closer, the man we call the triple threat. He was at the scene. You watch him on TV, you read him on digital, and you're about to hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. <laughs> We could be seeing Mark Friedman in Washington with uh, Noah Juleson, although not necessarily as a, as a partner, mm. because, uh, you know, the Zadora penalty was called a match penalty, which carries uh, automatic review. Now, I don't think, I don't think Nikita is going to be suspended. Uh, it was an inadvertent headshot. Nobody tries to hit somebody else's head with their own in an open ice hit. But it's still subject to review and a potential suspension. Yeah, I mean, that's my question about it, too. Was there enough? Because Raymond came back into the game and because it wasn't necessarily a clean headshot in terms of a predatory headshot, like, you know, you can totally make the case five in a major. I I would guess it's nothing or perhaps a fine, considering you already got the game. Yeah, I I would, again, I I would be surprised if, if there is a suspension, but it is part of... Uh, the process automatically. I mean, I mean to be clear, the NHL looks at everything that happens in every game, and you guys can be suspended on plays where there wasn't even a penalty called if the NHL sees something. But you know, this this was a headshot, and uh, we know how seriously the NHL is says it's taking those, and we'll see. I, I'd I'd be surprised because again. I think we could all agree much like much like the last major the Canucks got, which was Tyler Myers elbowing penalty mm-hmm. in Columbus. There was no intent 
for for the play for the ch- check or hit to be delivered the way it was. I mean, Zadorov was trying to hit him, but but you know Raymond's sort of jumped out of the way or changed his angle, and it was Zadorov's hit head that hit uh, Raymond's head, and you know I. Again, you you any you're responsible for the contact, just as Myers was responsible for his elbow. I can't even remember who it was uh, he hit on Columbus, where he just sort of spun around and hit him hit him as he reversed. But you're still responsible for it. So so we'll see. I don't think Zadorov will be suspended though, but it's a possibility. Is there? Not enough focus on uh, we. Uh, I guess you haven't been listening. We spent most of the time talking about Elias Pettersson. Surprise, surprise, Ian. Um, but have we spent enough time talking about Lindholm, Besser, Miller tonight? Where the the first impression we get of that line, I, I'm not sure if it was an overwhelmingly good one. Yeah, were you critical of uh, Pettersson, or what were you talking uh, about? We've mentioned that you know he he made mistakes, obviously that led to goals, but he had an overwhelmingly uh, positive game i mean my my opinion yeah. on the game was uh, was Pedersen had a strong game you know in, in the third period that line had a couple of moments of course and i mean you know that that play in overtime him and hughes perhaps could have done a little bit better or whatever but i thought he had a strong game overall but it's more people texting in and calling in being very very critical and upset with his play yeah yeah i i you know i i think they're i think talk it said in a post game that you know Pedersen's line got a couple of things although i'm not sure he actually finished his thought on that mm-hmm. sentence um but they also gave up a couple of goals so it mm-hmm. was a wash and and certainly the third goal was was poor i i loved so how that line had energy you know that line was was the most most dangerous line although i see at the end of the night when i think that you know jt miller had had a quiet game that he had eight shots on net and that didn't include the rebound chance that he probably should have scored on in the third period on the power play um, you know, the lines, uh, I, I think talk it got the player's attention. I think for the most part, he, he got the response that he was looking for after the Boston game, except as he explained uh, to me in the post game scrum, except for the turnovers and not boxing out. It was, it was Hoaglander's non box out on, on the, uh, third goal. And it was, you know, when you look at the replay, it's it's pretty obvious. I think it's the kind of play that, you know, exasperated uh, Bruce Boudreaux and Travis Green ahead of ahead of Rick Tockett. But we know that we also know that Hoaglander's come a long way this year, and everybody makes mistakes. So it's unfair, I think, to pin um, you know a result uh, to try pinning in a result on that. And I don't think that's what Tockett was doing. But Hoaglander was also in the penalty box for a needless tripping penalty on the second goal that that started the Detroit comeback and ideally when you're up by two on the road in the third period the way to start that period is not to take a a needless penalty at the other team's blue line so I I think probably you know Tockett was frustrated today uh, by Hoaglander but I did like the energy of that line and I think that Hoaglander has has earned a chance to play higher up the lineup he's been a lot quieter recently than he had been for for a stretch but i i i think that talk it you know he this was the most upheaval that we've seen 
you know, significant changes on three of the four lines, including in personnel, you know, taking Sam Lafferty out of the lineup for the first time this season, Phil Giuseppe getting back in, which was a bit of a surprise because we weren't sure we were going to see him on the trip at all. And here he is playing in the, in game three of, of five. But I, I think, you know, this, all those changes as much as anything, it was to get, get the player's attention, get a, get a response, get some focus, right? Guys are playing with new guys. You have to focus. It's not just like it's been. And, and to try and get some energy. And I thought for the most part, he was, he was successful in, in getting that. If you look at, you know, the first two periods, they give up the, the early goal on Meyer's mistake. Uh, but then they, you know, they get through the first period and they had, they strung together some good shifts uh, to play in the Detroit zone. And then the second period where it looked like momentum might swing to Detroit on the five minute major, it actually was Vancouver that seized the game at that point. But you can't, you can't um, play a third period on the road like Vancouver played it. Like you, you can't, you can't give up goals that easily. And again, I know one was a power play, but it was a pow- it was a power play. You didn't need to put them on, and and you know you can't ha- you can't leave the guy alone six feet in front of the goalie. So as good as the penalty kill was in the second period, it was a fail in the third. And then you know we've seen the Canucks be so good this year, twenty nine zero and one, which is just mind blowing, right? That's fifty nine out of sixty points before tonight when they led after two periods. Uh, so we, you know, they've been very good at closing out games, but they, they weren't tonight. And I think, I think it's an opportunity lost, you know, in the big picture, the team is one, one and one on a road trip against three difficult opponents, three opponents that were all in, in a playoff position and had a combined winning percentage of, a, of close to six fifty. you know, in past years, that would have been good enough. That's not good enough now. And we'll see what kind of response they get tomorrow against Washington. Now, as far as um, just how they play. Sorry, I, I know I did, I know I just talked for about six minutes there all over the map, but because you and you'd asked me about, I think your question, Vic. No, was, I mean, yeah, my question was terrible. Don't worry about it. My question was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sometimes sometimes mine are as well, like to talk at post game. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I understand what you're, you're essentially asking him. Do you think the response was good enough today or not? And I think he took it as maybe you were saying it wasn't. But what did you think yeah. of the way they started the game? Because, I mean, we can talk about the goal against. To me, it was one of those situations where Raymond just beats Myers. I'm not sure there was anything else at fault. But what did you think of the way they played uh, to start off this game for the most part? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think they at least matched Detroit's energy. Let's, let's put it that way. I mean, I don't know what it looked like on TV. But it was an awfully lively full building for, for what feels like a Saturday breakfast game. Um, and, and I thought the Canucks, I thought the Canucks were fine, you know, after that goal. And you know maybe DeSmith could make a better play on that goal as well. But it's tough when all of a sudden a guy materializes as Raymond did in front of him, at at high speed, and and you know, DeSmith went down at the post and. Raymond made a really nice play after uh, around the goalie after going around the defenseman, but but I thought the Canucks were fine after that. Uh, I thought there was a stretch where they strung together some shifts and the puck was in the the offensive zone. I, I thought overall it was a pretty good road game, and 
based on what we had seen from Vancouver this season and how different they've been in the previous seasons, uh, I would have, I would have taken the two points to the bank in the, in the third, I would have said, well, they're not having done what they did in the second period, killing off the, the seven minute disadvantage, uh, scoring the two goals uh, to be up three, one on the road in the third, I would have thought they would have locked out this game. And I think probably talk thought they should have as well, but, you know, there, there isn't any margin. You know, if you make mistakes, generally the other team is going to score on you if the mistakes are, are bad enough. And, and they just made some mistakes in the third, which is, again, uh, you know, are, is, is this a slump? Is it, is, it, is it not a slump? Is it just, uh, you know, law of averages catching up because so much has gone in their favor? We know, like, we know the Boston game was bad. And they just gave themselves no chance to win. And the Carolina game was great. And this was somewhere in between. So that's why I still think, you know, there's kind of a lot riding on tomorrow, not just two points in in the standings. But, you know, how is this team headed right now? Is it it fumbling a little bit here? Is this this what is going to look like a slump in the second half of the season? Or, Or are they fine? I think they have to show that they're fine tomorrow against Washington. It's a Schrodinger's slump. Is it a slump? Is it not a slump? We have to wait and see. Is it both? Uh, <laughs> this is quantum entanglement all over again. Uh, some breaking news while we're with you here, Ian. Uh, the NHL Department of Player Safety uh, will have a hearing with Nikita Zadorov this evening. Uh, so yeah. that's the latest on that. Uh, outside of that, um, we were talking briefly before you came on. Um, Phil Giuseppe gets in. Uh, now, he ends up playing six minutes and 49 seconds. He had a really energetic first period. And the way that second period went, maybe he just doesn't get in. But are you surprised just how little usage he wound up getting? Well, a little bit. But you have to remember, this was like a, a throwback game as far as as special teams went. Almost a third of the yeah. game. At least a third of the game in regulation. Six minutes for the Canucks. 11 minutes for almost 11 minutes for Detroit. So there was a lot of special teams play. And Di Giuseppe being out as long as he had, he wasn't going to wasn't going to play a whole lot of that. As I'm as I'm blathering here, I'm looking to see if he had some shorthanded time on ice. He did not. No, it was, yeah, it was um, yeah. you know, and in time in time he will because he has been a penalty killer. But no, I mean, I I just think it, you know, circumstance and and needs. You know, if if they had, remember they surrendered the lead pretty quickly. Right, it went, it went within seven minutes uh, from three-one to three-three. He probably would have had a couple more shifts had they had they still been ahead. But once you, the bench got a little shorter uh, late. So no, I don't. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise anytime somebody plays a full game. It's only six minutes and change. But under the circumstances, I don't think I don't think there's anything there. Uh, Ian, before we let you go, the Department of Player Safety has tweeted out that Nikita Zadorov has a hearing with the league this I just evening. Said that. You mentioned that. Sorry, my bad. There we go. That wasn't <laughs> sloppy, like, sloppy, sloppy play, sloppy play. Come I was on. a little distracted. I was talking to Eddie in between. You were asking that question. My bad. Stay sharp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, and and does that mean it's more likely now? I mean, the uh, I think there's a chance they could be without Zadorov for a game. Yeah, I mean, I I was uh, I didn't think so, but maybe just maybe Ian Ian once yeah, again I mean, comes out right. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't I didn't 
say that he would. I'm just <laughs> made the point that yeah. this is a possibility and you yeah. have to allow for it. I guess I did say actually, did I say I thought that Mark Friedman would be playing or you said I he could, you said he could be playing. Yeah. yeah. So it, you, your instinct, your, your spidey senses were onto something. Yeah. I think no matter what happens tomorrow with Zadorov, I'm going to claim that I was correct. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I like it. And uh, Ian, we'll chat with you from Washington tomorrow as the Canucks continue their road trip and hopefully a better result than the overtime loss in Detroit. Tonight. All right, guys. I'll look forward to it. 24 and a half hours from now. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. All right. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Ian. See you guys. Uh, that is Ian McIntyre. And this insider brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together at, online at dleamc.com. Man, tough tough finish to the show. And you heard Ian. That was so good. He put up three points during the whole postgame show. And then right at the end, you know, takes a penalty and then, uh, sorry, not takes a penalty, turns it over and then chases the read behind the net. Were you calling me the Elias Patterson <laughs> of the postgame show or something? All right, and Ian called in on the dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline. The first call, the only call. All right, that brings us to the end of the show. A spirited show today. Fantastic. Uh, you know, Big shout out to all the rookies that called in today. A lot of rookie <laughs> laps today. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah somebody just texted and sat with the Pedersen-like sloppy play. Yeah. <laughs> And it's tough. Man, I've been like, you know, I've been fighting people in the text inbox, fighting. Yeah. So I, I fought people that say I'm too critical of Elias Patterson, people saying I'm not critical enough of Elias Patterson. So that's kind of been, been the type of day that we've had. And Kurt meant texted in and said, You guys control narratives. Don't let the fans have the narratives. Like, it's a post game show. We're going to. It's go. opinions. We're, we're, we're here to be the, <laughs> the fulcrum of. of uh... All the opinions. Yeah. Well, and listen, we'll end this with a take from Detroit Brian, who's a Red Wings fan. It says, chemistry is everything on winning teams and contenders. Maybe Lindholm hasn't founded or shook up the chemistry like they had on their winning streak just yet. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all comes together. Because Menko was like uh, the rug and Big Lebowski just tied the room together. Well, I mean, uh, the Flames have won more since they acquired uh, Andre Kuzmenko. So, I mean, early results four so far row. for them. You know, things, things are going Trending towards well. Canucks Flames round one. Like, McKenzie Weger had a hat trick today. I don't know. Things are just, just happening for the Flames all of a sudden. Trying all to right. compete with Elias Pettersson's three points. That's enough Calgary Flames talk on this show. <laughs> all right. Great stuff as always. Appreciate every single one of you. Even people that, that get mad at us. It's all fine. We always love doing this. Look forward to being back we'll at it again. tomorrow. Tomorrow. 10.30 a.m. puck drop between the Canucks and Capitals in Washington. Pre-game show gets going at 9.30. We'll be on Sports and Pacific at 10 a.m. tomorrow on Super Sunday. Fantastic stuff as always. Keep your thoughts coming in and we'll continue interacting. And this has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. So the Canucks game is over, but is your day really done? Maybe not. See what's going on. More coming up on the Home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.